This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Edge oil markets are moose. Dub Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to another episode of the show. A little later on today, we're going to be checking in with Team Canada Senior Men's Wheelchair Basketball Athlete, Bo Hedges. He's from the Fort St. John area, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about their bronze medal performance in Brazil last week and what's next for the team on the road to the World Championships in November, which they just qualified for in part uh, of winning that bronze medal. But first, a new initiative called the Peace Region Living Lab is slated to bring together farmers and ranchers with scientists and commodity groups to brainstorm best practices in overcoming climate change challenges in our agricultural community. So to chat about what that means, we're joined now by Nadia Mori, the Extension Coordinator with the Peace Region Living Lab. Nadia, welcome back to Moose Talks. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Uh, so tell us a bit about what this initiative is. It's kind of brand spanking new. I think you sent me the email on Monday saying, hey, we got this cool thing happening. Uh, what is it and, and kind of what does it mean for Peace Region farmers here in, in Alberta? You bet. We were excitedly waiting for this uh, announcement and we finally got it. And super excited this will bring such an initiative to the Peace Region. We got close to $6 million of funding from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada as part of their Agricultural Climate Solutions Program to, like you said, bring climate change solutions to farmers and ranchers in the Peace Region. And the exciting part is that it's both the Alberta and the BC Peace Region, which is pretty unusual because the... The living labs are usually just uh, provincially organized. Uh-huh. And so for ours to be more regionally organized is is very special, but it makes so much sense, right? Because if it wasn't for that pesky little line, <laughs> we experience the same challenges, the, cl- the similar climate, similar soils. So it does make a lot of sense that we work with the farmers and ranchers of both of those regions. Yeah. So uh, the, the region kind of, for people who don't know, stretches kind of from here to about Peace River, Alberta-ish is kind of where it is. And uh, as you say, the climate's very similar. And so ranchers and farmers are facing similar um, kind of uh, challenges. Can you talk a bit about kind of what those challenges are that, that you guys will be zeroing in on to sort of try to overcome with this living lab? You bet. Yeah. So the, the two focuses that Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada would like us to work on is looking at carbon sequestration and greenhouse gas emission reduction. Mm-hmm. And then we will also have a look at the co-benefits that come with that which is a fancy way of saying like other benefits that come with that so is there better water infiltration more biodiversity both above and below ground and also the economic impact and we're looking at the farm as a whole so you know if you change one piece it usually has kind of secondary impacts and and we'll look at that as well so that's sort of the the overall approach of it and we have close to 60 producers that we'll be working with across the region I see. Um, out of curiosity, you don't happen to know how many producers there are total in the region, hey? Like what, what that 60 represents? It would be a pretty small number yeah. because uh, I think in the BC region alone, we have around 1,200. And okay. that's just a wild guess. I, I haven't looked out 
looked up those numbers recently okay. since the census was done. Were those 60 identified uh, ahead of time as these would be good candidates or did they reach out and say, we'd like to be a part of this? Kind of how did that work? So we have nine collaborator groups. So yeah. we have the Peace Region Forge Seed Association, which is our lead group mm-hmm. and who who essentially was the lead applicant. And then on the Alberta side, we have the McKenzie Applied Research Station, the North Peace Applied Research Station, Ag Sarda Research, and Peace Country Beef and Forage. And on the BC side, we got the Grain Producers, Forage Association, the Northern Cohort with NEAT, and for sister farm. So each of those groups then reached out to their membership and I their see. community to see who would be interested and who would also be interested in being part of a project for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's not like it it's happening tomorrow and finishes up in September. This is quite a long haul. Um, I guess the interesting thing to me is, as you as I said, the scientists are sort of involved. So is it that they already have ideas and they're saying we we would like to see these implemented and then sort of the conversation from farmers and ranchers and these groups as you say is well here's why this maybe wouldn't work great but maybe we can do it this way is that sort of the conversation or is it going to start with we're all going to come up with ideas together on what to do and sort of work out what might be best and how it might best work and be implemented on a farmer ranch of the piece I think that's the exciting part about the living lab. So mm-hmm. the farm is almost like the lab and yeah. the living portion is that things will change as we go. And the idea is that the initiatives come from the producers. So the farmers and ranchers say like, hey, I got this problem here with my field. Um, you know, if it's an annual producer, maybe they would like to try some cover cropping or intercropping or some new practice. And they maybe they know anecdotally that it works, but they don't know the science behind it. So mm-hmm. they would come forward and be like, hey, I would like to try this practice or would like you to measure this practice. And then we can work with them in this kind of living lab approach with the scientist team over the five years to see like, OK, what exactly is happening in the soil and all the aspects around it? Okay. And out of curiosity, the funding part of it, is it covering just sort of the manpower of doing the sort of laboratory work behind it, if we can call that? Or is it also covering the farmer who's going to be um, maybe taking a bit of a risk in trying these things? Is it also sort of helping them out in some way so that, you know, if if they have abject failure, which we hope doesn't happen, but if it does happen that they uh, aren't eating all the cost on their own or at, at all? Is that part of this? That's an excellent point, and I wished I could say it is part of that. Yeah. It's considered an in-kind contribution I from see. the farmer, so mm-hmm. it, it elevates the, the project budget. We do have to contribute some portion ourselves with the partner groups, mm-hmm. so the in-kind portion of the producer is considered our as part of our contribution because, yeah, it's you as as a producer you got to maybe tweak your seeding operation or your grazing management you got to have you know people come onto your land take all these measurements and work with us for 5 years maybe host an event so it's mm-hmm. a lot of involvement but hopefully there'll also be a lot of payoffs for the producer in having the numbers of like hey this this are these are all the amazing things that I'm doing on my land mm-hmm. Is it, I guess it would count for infrastructure too then if 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 a, a new idea requires some new piece of machine 
I'm not a farmer. In case you, in case anyone listening has any idea. Anyway, uh, if you need a new piece of infrastructure or machinery to kind of make this happen, I guess that's the same. It's it's up to the farmer and sort of everyone to work out whether they want to take that risk or if it's really worth it. I suppose. Eh? You bet. We did have a good example is uh, somebody would like to look at vermicomposting. So using worms on the farm to help with creating nutrient inputs for Mm -hmm. their farm. And they wanted to have infrastructure. So they actually were really creative and went off on their own and applied for the BC Agricultural Compensation, BC Hydro Agricultural Compensation Fund and got some funding through that Mm -hmm. to help with the infrastructure. But yeah, it is... Again, it's it's a little bit on the producer to come to the table and find innova- innovative ways. And we can certainly help them, you know, with the grant application or something, if that's something they might like to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a target that everyone's hoping to attain by doing this? You mentioned carbon sequestration, for example. Is it we want to reduce things by this much in the five years or, or aim for something? Is that part of this equation or is it mostly what can we do to make things better and we'll kind of see what kind of works best without a specific goal in mind. You bet. We certainly did put forward numbers on what we sort of conservatively conservatively estimate we could achieve. Mm -hmm. But I guess the big part is also that we just don't know. And that's why we'd really like to do this, this research. I think one of the reasons why our application was successful in the end is because the region has been identified as a region that has a high potential for our soils to absorb more carbon. So Mm -hmm. it, I think we're all curious to see what actually will happen. But I think another goal is also adoption to see share the innovations with other producers and and facilitate peer-to-peer learning to help other producers also adopt certain practices. Mm -hmm. So what's the timeline for this? You mentioned about five years. Are we starting right away? What's kind of the first step in this process now that it's been announced that it's going to happen? What's next? That's why we were sitting on pins and needles this year, because this is considered year one. And so, you know, even not being a farmer, you can tell that, well, the growing season has already started. (laughs) We're we're like more than halfway through. More than halfway through. So it, it, uh, it is an interesting challenge to make year one work. But what year one also is, is baseline measurement establishment. So what we'll do is we'll take a lot of the soil carbon measurements, which involves taking a one meter soil core. And if you can imagine sticking a one meter core into the soil is, is a bit of an, an endeavor and it'll mm-hmm. take some specialized equipment and having that go around the whole region. That will be a big labor intensive thing that will happen this fall and into the winter. Okay. So it's something that'll happen after harvest. Then essentially. That's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and just getting everybody organized, getting the producers informed. We will have a kickoff event coming here on August 11th, where we, all the producers, all the researchers, all the partner groups will all come together and we'll all kind of uh, just meet and greet and mm-hmm. share what this is all about. Okay. And then like, essentially they'll be starting to plan and maybe even implement uh, starting into the spring and kind of summer next year then, I suppose. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did have the odd, very uh, innovative producer who went ahead with their project anyhow. <laughs> so that is excellent for us. So we have some additional data, but mostly it's baseline data collection in year one. 
All yeah. right. Now, I did want to mention quickly with the few minutes we have left here, of course, the last time you were here, uh, you kind of talked about a podcast that you were helping to make. I'm blanking on the name of it at the moment, but it was sort of related to this. It was about sharing knowledge and best practices among farmers who are isolated a lot in the peace region from each other, from other farming regions in Canada and the United States. Um, first of all, how's that going and how's this going to change given that you can sort of now extend the life of the podcast and make it sort of to, to align with the living lab a bit. You bet. The podcast is called Knowledge for Resilience in the Peace. And like you say, it's an excellent fit mm -hmm. for what we're doing right now. Right now, it's just focused on the BC side of the peace region. And we hope that I can roll this into the Alberta and BC peace. And then we'll also share, like right now, I'm producing the Knowledge for Resilience podcast, which we're on episode 14 mm -hmm. is about to come out. So we're just about over halfway of the episodes that we'll produce. And then I'll also have a partner on the Alberta side who will create podcasts on the Alberta side. So we'll kind of tag team on that. Nice. Well, that's, this is very interesting and very exciting. And I'm really grateful that you took a few minutes to chat with us about this today, Nadia. Thank you. You're so welcome. All right. That's Nadia Mori with the Peace Region Living Lab. We'll be right back to talk with Bo Hedges right after this on Moose Talks. Or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to talk a bit about the senior men's wheelchair basketball team. They just won bronze in Brazil last week. And uh, with that win and uh, with that tournament, they've now qualified for the world championships in uh, Dubai in November, I believe it is. Anyway, to talk more about that, we're joined now by the captain of the Team Canada senior men's wheelchair basketball team and Fort St. John area native, Bo Hedges. Bo, welcome back to Moose Talks. Good morning. Yeah, great to have me. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, so tell us a bit about how the tournament went in Brazil. I mean, bronze medal, that's got to feel pretty good, eh? Yeah, it was uh, It was nice to come back with the medal, for sure. Um, uh, the big goal was qualifying uh, uh, to get to the World Championships. So we had the, the do-or-die game in the quarterfinal against Colombia. So that was kind of the big game of the tournament. And then after that, it was all uh, trying to get into the medals and beat some of those top teams. So, yeah, it was a great uh, tournament for the guys. And, and, you know, with everything that's gone on in the last couple of years and for us in the short term here with a few injuries to guys, it was uh, that much more rewarding. Yeah, because I suppose the – I don't know about the tournament you were in, but the World Championships are kind of two years uh, behind now. They were supposed to be in 2020, right? Uh, well, the, the Tokyo Paralympics were supposed to be in 2020. Oh, and that's then right. And they got pushed to – yeah, they got pushed to 2021, and then our qualifier got pushed to this summer, and then Worlds was pushed to the fall. So it's all condensed. It's a pretty tight schedule here in the in the last 12, 13, 14 months. Mm -hmm. Have you has that had a big effect on on everybody? You think like is it? I don't want to say too much because you're athletes, but it's kind of maybe a bit more than you're used to, or is everyone handling it just fine? Uh, it's been pretty good overall uh, in terms of the training loads and stuff like that. Uh, the team's done a good job of trying to manage that. The big thing is we haven't had as many international competitions yeah. other than the major games, and so the preparation's been a little tougher. But this year we were able to go to Italy for a series of games over there, and then uh, the Dutch national team came here right before we went down to Brazil. So that kind of helped us prepare. Uh, for sure, and then things are a little bit more normal, uh, so we'll be we'll be getting some opportunities to get ourselves ready for Worlds this year. Mm -hmm. 
How are you feeling about how this team measures up against uh, some of those uh, big teams? As we said, you won a bronze medal in Brazil. Um, you know, you think your prospects are looking good for the world championships? Uh, uh, yeah, I think we were coming together well. Um, we had a couple of our main guys from Tokyo, Pat Anderson and uh, Joe Vermette, that um, were injured and didn't come to this tournament. And we still were able to qualify and, yeah. and still did quite well there. So we'll add them two back into the fold going into Worlds. And it'll give us a little bit more depth. And uh, I think it was great for this group to, to qualify and win games against some of the better teams in the world without without our full staff. Because now we got a little bit more confidence and a little bit more uh, uh, just, yeah, feel for our game and what we can do. Mm-hmm. Is I.O. looking kind of back in, uh, you know, especially in Team Canada's history, uh, you guys had a, quite a run about uh, you know 10 or 12 years ago where you were meddling, winning lots. Um, a little less since then, but is that, would you say, because the quality of, of, of some of the international teams is, is catching up a bit, and, and as such, it's kind of making it tougher for you guys to win? Um, yeah, definitely. The quality of, of basketball in the world is, is really gotten uh, that much higher like you kind of mentioned we also had uh, a pretty big turnover after the london games in yeah. 2012 uh, a lot of veteran guys uh, that have been playing pro for years uh, had moved on and so we've been kind of cultivating and trying to rebuild the team a little bit and slowly adding pieces and, uh, and those guys are now getting to the point where they're they're pros and they're veterans and they played in college down in the states and and done those types of things so uh yeah it's coming together now Mm-hmm. Well, we were off uh, line here just talking. You're going to be heading uh, kind of back home in a bit to kind of help out with the harvest and whatnot. So I wonder kind of what, uh, what's next for you and the team in terms of training uh, for the World Championships? Do you have some things lined up before November? Because that's it's months away still. Yeah, yeah, it's a ways away, but it's it's not that far uh, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So we will we'll be going over to Europe right ahead of the Games. Uh, for probably a week or 10 days to play some of the European national uh, national team in preparation. And then we'll have a couple of training camps, one in September, one in October in Toronto, more than likely, to do some preparation that way. And then somewhere in there, we'd like to try and figure out a way to, to play some uh, some more friendlies uh, in the spring. So, uh, Or not the spring, but in the fall. And so, at the... yeah, there'll be... Sorry, I... go ahead. I'm sorry, Bo, you finish up. <laughs> My apologies, <laughs> No, 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 you're fine. What were you going to ask? Uh, well, my question was, you mentioned kind of training camps, and uh, I wonder if, uh, and I apologize if it's a silly question, but can is there still an opportunity to add players in those situations, or is your team sort of set, you know, depending on injuries, of course, uh, for the World Championships kind of as is? Uh, there'll be one more selection in the fall, gotcha. uh, probably in September, October. Uh, it'll generally be what, was in uh, in Brazil, but there'll be there is a couple guys coming back for injuries, so there'll be a little bit of a challenge there because we've created a little bit more depth uh, this year, as well as there's always a couple guys that are um, in that 12th, 13th, 14th spot. So um, yeah, there there's a, there'll be a little bit of a change, but the main core will be will be the same going into World Championship. Gotcha. Well, it's very exciting times. And, uh, Bo, I'm really uh, uh, grateful that you made some time to talk with us today, including since I uh, messed up on what time you were supposed to be on the show. So thanks so much for working with me, Bo. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. And I always say I appreciate uh, the hometown reaching out to me here and, uh, and 
catch them out. So that's great. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. All right. That was Bo Hedges, uh, one of the captains of the Team Canada Senior Men's Wheelchair Basketball Team. Uh, they've got world championships coming up in November. We'll be right back to wrap. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.